Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Crucify him. We're fascinated by the range of responses to Jesus that we see from these crowds that that packed Jerusalem for Passover week. How could a week that begins with a victory parade wind up quickly turning into a shameful march toward death? So difficult questions, but we gain some insight into them as we consider the final parable of our series. A parable that explains that God is throwing an enormous and wonderful party, and everyone is invited but not everyone wants to go. The remarkable drama of Easter week comes down to how each person answers the question, are you going to God's party? The parable we're looking at this morning is Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Jesus tells this parable at a dinner party, a banquet, being held in the home of a prominent Pharisee. Jesus had already healed a man, though it was the Sabbath. He had told the guests to stop jockeying for social status. He told them to stop inviting their rich friends to parties and and instead invite, invite the poor and the downtrodden. And so we can probably imagine things had gotten pretty awkward around the dinner table. And as is often the case, when you hit an awkward moment in a, in a party, somebody tries to smooth things over, right? So Jesus happens to mention the resurrection of the just. And so one party goer says, all right, I'm going to smooth things. I'm going to diffuse this tension by throwing out a generic platitude. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. This individual is expressing the thought, very common then and honestly still common today, that God's kingdom was some abstract future event to be experienced someday. And Jesus corrects him, explaining a man once gave a banquet and invited many. 
By context, we are to understand that the man throwing this enormous party represents God, and as the parable unfolds, we are to understand it's party time. Verse 17 says, Come, for everything is now ready. This is what Easter week is about. Jesus had constantly been preaching that the kingdom of God was present in him, that his arrival marked the start, if you will, of God's party. Here, Jesus is reiterating through this parable that God's kingdom is right here, right now, that God's party has already begun. And yes, there is a future aspect to God's party, a future aspect that we look forward to eagerly, to the climax of God's party when His kingdom will be consummated and perfected and completed at Christ's return. But Jesus' point is that the party has begun, and it's only going to get better. Now, in this parable, those who were originally invited to the party started making excuses to skip it. We see these play out in verses 18 through 20. Now, in those days, typically party invitations went out in two phases, right? First is what we would call the RSVP phase, where people would commit to attend the party. And it was a serious commitment. The second phase was a day of announcement that would go out Right Then the servant would go out and say, hey, it's party time. And in this parable, many had been invited. Many had accepted the invitation of the master. But when the day came, they refused to go to the party. One was a real estate investor. He chose to manage his portfolio rather than go to God's party. One was a small businessman who had a great growth opportunity that he had to, to invest in, make his decisions about, jump on, and that growth opportunity for business was more important than going to God's party. One was a newlywed, and he chose family over God's party. All of the proper, decent people who had been invited and had already accepted God's invitation ghosted. When it was time for the party. That's my relatively new term I learned from the culture, so i got to use it. Right? Ghosting is when you're like, I'm not going to talk to you, I'm not going to tell you why. Like You just never communicate again. This is what these people do. They ghosted. So now we're all ready to talk to millennials. This represents the rejection of God's invitation by his original invitees, the, the Jewish people particularly the religious elite, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, right, the temple rulers. The host was outraged by this. It was socially offensive to commit to come to a party and then make your excuse to get out of it. But he doesn't cancel the party. He just expands the guest list. He sends his servant out to, to invite the outcasts of society, the poor and weak, and sick, and disabled, and they, they eagerly flock in to this wonderful party. The vulnerable and the downtrodden come where the, the righteous and the proper refused, because they were just too busy. But there was still plenty of room for the party. And since the master wanted his house to be full of guests, enjoying his hospitality, enjoying his party, he sends his servant out of town 
right, to find complete outsiders and compel them to come to the party. And that that word compel is translating a, a Greek word that describes strong persuasion, right? He's not telling them to go out and put a sword to them and make them come to the party. He's saying, come out and persuade them strongly. Be convincing. The servant was to use all of his powers of persuasion to bring in complete outsiders, to rep- which represents for us the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people of the world, to come to the party. And verse 24 concludes with a terrible warning for all who would reject the master's invitation. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited, the ones who rejected the invitation after accepting, shall taste my banquet. As we reflect on this parable, we need to first understand God's invitation. The parable is describing God's present kingdom in Jesus Christ, as well as his ultimate, completed, eternal kingdom that will last forever in the new heaven and the new earth. And this parable is describing God's invitation to join his kingdom. And while that invitation was initially offered to his chosen people, Israel, we see his invitation was expanded to include the lowest of the low, the outcasts of society and every kind of Gentile outsider. See, God's throwing a party and everyone's invited. This invitation is not just for the elite, the educated, the upright, or the holy. God's invitation isn't just for people who have their acts together. God's invitation is for people who are very much a mess. People who are still very much a work in progress, as we all are. God's invitation includes the outcast, the outsider, the lost, the loner, and the defeated. And the truth is, we've all been lost at times. Because we've all done terrible things with our thoughts or our words or our actions. We have all departed from God's good plan and design for our lives, His will for them. We have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect and holy standard for our lives. And this has brought each of us at different times to places of brokenness. Broken lives, broken families, broken bodies, broken relationships, broken hopes, broken dreams, broken spirits. And yet God invites us to his party anyway. God doesn't invite us because we deserve it. He doesn't invite us because he thinks we're going to be like the best addition to the guest list ever. You know, that all of a sudden his party is going to get amped up because we're there. God invites us to his party because of his kindness, mercy, and love. You see, like the master in the parable, God wants his house full, and so he extends his invitation to everyone. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 6 explains, It is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. We're invited to God's party through Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for us. 
right? He paid to set us free. That's what took place this strange Easter week that begins with a victory parade and moves towards a terrible death on a cross. Because there on the cross, Jesus paid the ransom price for our sin. He paid a price big enough to cover all of our sin, past, present, and future. (laughs) A ransom that was accepted when Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, as we'll celebrate next week, and I hope every day. Our party invitation, our per-plate fee, our cover charge, whatever you want to call it, was paid for by Jesus. And all we have to do is accept God's invitation by putting our faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so given that, the question you must each consider is, are you going to God's party? You've heard the invitation, right? Join God's now and forever party through faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. But you know what? Those crowds 2,000 years ago heard the same invitation. And we have seen and sung and observed and read how mixed their reaction was. Everything from Hosanna to crucify him. Earlier we asked, were you there? Now let me ask, where are you this morning? Will you accept God's party invitation by faith if you haven't already? God's party is the most incredible, life-changing, glorious, wonderful party in history, and it will go on forever. At God's party, all of our sins and our mistakes and our regrets and our guilt and our shame are gone forever, wiped away. At God's party, we are new people. We are radically transformed by God's Spirit working within us. At God's party, we are on a breathtaking journey from from who we once were to who God made us to be. At God's party, every guest, no matter their background, bank balance, employment, intelligence, citizenship, or education, is a treasured and beloved and welcomed guest made in the image of God. At God's party, every guest has purpose and significance. At God's party, there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in abundance. And it only keeps getting better. But you have to actually accept God's invitation. Right? John 3.16 explains the invitation, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the invitation. But you've got to accept it by believing in Jesus. And one lesson we need to learn from today's parable is it's easy to think that you've accepted the invitation and yet you fail to actually go to the party. That's what the original guests did. They accepted through the covenants, the Mosaic law, and then they declined to go. 
if you don't go to the party, you never really accepted the invitation. So will you go to God's party? After we profess our faith in Jesus, we have to live like people who have truly accepted him, not only as Savior, but also as Lord of our lives, as boss of our lives. We have to go to the party. It's not a party we attend after we die. It's a party right here, right now, and praise God for that. The crucifixion and the resurrection prove it, that the party is now. And yet many Christians are reluctant to actually go. We live as if there's no party going on at all. We live only for this future day. But God's party is not some future abstraction that we should simply look forward to while grinding out the same ordinary existence as everyone else does. We are invited to God's party. We are invited to experience the extraordinary the ultimate meaning, the purpose and significance right now. But you have to choose to go. So are you going and enjoying God's party right now? Today? Tomorrow? What does that mean, really? Based on the parable, it means that we mustn't be so blinded by the shiny things of this world that we miss the invisible glories of God's ongoing party, the glories of a rich and growing spiritual life in which we walk with Christ more and more with each passing day. It means we can't be so focused on the good that we completely miss the great. And that is so easy to do here in Northern Virginia because we have so much good stuff here. For many of us, our lives are so comfortable, they're so prosperous that that we just get sucked into the, the good things of the world and we miss the great things of God's party. It gets so easy to focus on our families and our careers and our investments, just like, just like the, the figures in the parable, that we miss out on the ultimate by only giving God the leftover scraps of our time and attention rather than giving him our first and best. The paradox of God's party is that we only enjoy it most fully when we fully dedicate our time, our talent, our treasure to God's kingdom rather than our own kingdom. When we give God the scraps of our lives, we're no different than those original party guests who chose investments, business, and family over God's party. The most amazing party is happening. Everyone's invited, but many Christians are missing out on it. Our hearts and minds and souls and strengths get spent on the things of this world, and we limit God's time to to Sunday morning or the occasional quiet moment. God is inviting us to give our whole heart to him, so that even as we pursue our careers and love our families, we are doing it in a way that is worshiping God. But that mindset doesn't happen by accident, right? We have to intentionally choose to live that way, to make God our actual top priority. And let me ensure you that the more we give ourselves to him, the more we engage in his party, the more we worship him, 
The more we invest in prayer and reading and meditation and memorization and fasting and giving. The more we spend time with his people, studying his word and serving his kingdom and sharing with others about his excellencies and and our hope in him, the more we enjoy him, the more richly we enjoy his party. Life is fragile. And God wants us to come into his house and enjoy his party to the fullest now by the way we live. And then we will enjoy the party forever when we pass on. I was acutely reminded of that on my way to work to here this morning. I turned onto the Fairfax County Parkway and it was closed. As I detoured around and came out, I fear that the accident I saw probably included fatalities. And we just need to understand this party invitation is here, it is now, and we need to choose to go to that party. We at Lakers Baptist Church are called to be a lighthouse for Christ at the corner of Clipper and Mariner. Because life is so fragile. Because God does want all to come to his party. Friends, we shine brightest as the lighthouse when we are most fully enjoying God's party. When we accept his invitation and don't just think, oh, that's, that's what I'll do in 30 or 40 years when it's my time. But it's what we enjoy today and every day as we live our lives. Five to Thrive is, it's not your recipe for bitter medicine. It is your detailed invitation to enjoy God's party more and more every day for the rest of your life. And then to enjoy God's party forever. So as we enter into Easter week, we must each consider whether we are really going to God's party. Are we really going to God's party. 